We are rounding out Dr. Ellen Bratton month here at Learn Smarter Podcasts today by having a conversation with her about the differences between processing speed and sluggish cognitive tempo. Today, she defines each one for us, and she teaches us that processing speed is related to performance and is measurable and often impacts academic performance, whereas sluggish cognitive tempo, on the other hand, is observed and reported by parents and teachers' ratings and is often characterized by problems with daily living activities. We hope you have enjoyed Dr. Bratton Month and enjoy our final conversation with her. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 168 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And to round out Ellen Bratton Month, or Ellen Month, mm-hmm. Ellen Bratton is back with us. Hi, Ellen. Hi there. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I feel like I'm just getting a little trip to California every time. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. But I'm not really. We're COVID safe. We're social distance. We're in Zoom. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> we are. But remember that one time that I did meet you in person? That feels like ages ago. Feels like so long ago. Years ago. That's when you approached her, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I had every intention. I knew I was going to walk up to you that day. That was my plan, guys. And get her on the podcast. Yay. Woo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Ellen's fourth time back on the podcast. The only guest we've ever had on four times. Yeah. Oh, yikes. <laughs> is it like Saturday Night Live? Do I get like a... At five times, we'll give you a jacket. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Amazing. So for those of you who haven't heard the episodes, Ellen was on episode 63, episode 166, and 167. We'll link all of them. Yep. For those people who haven't heard, Ellen, can you share who you are and what you do? Yes. I'm a child psychologist, and I have a clinical practice in pediatric neuropsychology, so I evaluate kids with learning and attention issues. I'm also an associate professor at Harvard Medical School, and I work at Massachusetts General Hospital. And I'm really interested in studying kids with ADHD and processing speed issues. Oh, the processing speed. Big topic. An important topic because we're not talking about it enough, and this is why When we reached out to Ellen to see if she would come back on the podcast and she gave us some options of things that she felt like she could talk about, we couldn't say no because all of the things that she said felt important. We didn't want to choose. So today we're talking about processing speed versus sluggish cognitive tempo. And I'm ready to learn. All right. So I will dive into this because... First of all, let me just say, too, when you were talking about it's important to look at processing speed, it's really only been about 10 years that we've really looked at this. And when I had the idea for the book, Bright Kids Who Can't Keep Up, I had told my editor, I'd already written a couple of books for her. And this goes back more than 10 or 12 years when I had the idea for this. She's like, what do you want to write next? And I said, I think something on processing speed. Now, she publishes only books on psychology. So she Mm. like Guilford. Press and she had never heard of it. And so I had to explain it to her, and she was still sort of unclear as to whether or not it would make a book because it was such a new idea and concept. 
But I was interested in it because I was seeing all these kids with processing speed weaknesses that were having all kinds of issues that I wouldn't have expected. And it seemed to cross the spectrum of kids with dyslexia or ADHD. And there was a subset of kids in all of those disorders that had processing speed weakness that I felt like were worthy of attention. So anyway, we shouldn't beat ourselves up for the fact that we haven't been talking about this a lot. We just haven't known a lot about it. And even when I started to write the book, there wasn't that much research about it. So this idea of sluggish cognitive tempo and processing speed both sort of became popular at about the same time. And a lot of times people think it's one and the same. When I started to talk about processing speed to groups of teachers or parents, but mostly teachers and educators, they would often say to me, so what's the difference between processing speed and sluggish cognitive tempo? And to be honest, I didn't know the answer because I didn't know. And if she would have asked somebody who studied sluggish cognitive tempo and what's the difference, he would have said, I don't know either because we really didn't know. We're Two groups of people were studying the same thing. And the researchers who are studying sluggish cognitive tempo They're also sort of thinking a lot about ADHD because both of these things, the nuggets of thinking about these started in looking at kids with ADHD, but it's not only kids with ADHD. So that's a start. Mm -hmm. So in general, sluggish cognitive tempo, we're talking about a thing that's observed by people. So it's something that we look at a child and we rate their behaviors on how quickly they can do something, but not like timing them, but just sort of looking at them on a behavioral rating scale. So all of the studies that have been done on sluggish cognitive tempo are parent or teacher ratings of a child's behavior. When we're talking about processing speed, we're talking about a child's performance on a speeded task. Usually, we're talking about the WISC coding and symbol search subtests, which make up the processing speed index. But in a lot of studies on processing speed, we're using different things even things like math fluency or reading fluency or word retrieval fluency. So it depends, but we're usually talking about something we're measuring and something we're observing. And what we found, because we've we've started to do some studies looking at, at both of these things, what we found is that they are indeed not the same thing, that there's overlap between the two, but they are not a perfect overlap. In fact, not even a great, you know, there's like a 30% overlap between the two of these things. And the other two are separate. And I think we need to look at kids who have sluggish cognitive tempo, processing speed, and the ones that have both as three different groups of kids. So what do they look like? So what we have found in our own research, and we're really just starting to look at this ourselves, what we found is two things that separate these kids. Kids with processing speed issues tend to have problems academically that we can measure. Kids with sluggish cognitive tempo tend to have more difficulties with activities of daily living, doing the things in daily life that they're supposed to be doing. And this is kind of a broad sweep of these two, but kids with, again, sluggish cognitive tempo aren't doing the kinds of tasks that they need to do in order to be successful and in order for parents and teachers to rate them as being able to do things, whereas kids with slow processing speed have problems with academic tasks in general. And then the ones in the middle have trouble with both of those things. Hmm. They're they're really two different aspects of processing. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm just taking it in. It's like if you have the processing speed umbrella and then one avenue and another, and some kids are in one side, some kids are in another, and some kids are in both. The Venn diagram of both. 
Exactly. We've got a Venn diagram. Both that's exactly how we presented it in one of our papers. And that some kids meet in the middle and some kids have difficulties in these other aspects. So kids with only sluggish cognitive tempo have fine academic performance in general, you know, when we're looking at differences between the groups. And the opposite, kids with only slow processing speed tend to be fine with activities of daily living, getting things done at particular times. So there is this what we call double dissociation between the kids in these two different aspects of functioning. And when you think about it, when we're talking about academic or the kinds of remediation or accommodations that we need for kids, when we're talking about kids with slow processing speed, we're probably talking about kids with learning issues. On the other hand, we're talking about kids with more emotional behavioral sort of issues. They're two different things. Okay. So in an elementary school aged student, Mm -hmm. one with slow processing would be the kid that's struggling with fluency, like knowing their math facts, things like that, right? Exactly. And a kid with slow cognitive tempo, would that be the kids with ADHD that are struggling with turning assignments in and getting that kind of thing done? Is that how it's showing up academically? Or is it literally like they're not doing personal hygiene? What does that look like? You know, it could be some of both of those things. So when we're measuring activities of daily living, we're measuring all of that, to be honest. I can give you some examples, social skills, as well as self-care. I don't want to say anything that they are the kids who don't get themselves dressed in the morning or something like that, but it does mean that they're not doing the sorts of tasks that make them successful in life, basically. Issues with kids in terms of adaptive functioning are more like the sorts of things that bother parents, for example. Right. Didn't pick up the trash, didn't do the sorts of things that they were supposed to be doing at that particular time. Communication, home living skills, self-care. So they're going to look more like behavior problems in terms of they're not doing what I'm saying they're supposed to be doing, but they might be fine in terms of their math homework. And you might see many more kids in the processing speed bucket and not the sluggish cognitive tempo bucket, what we'd be guessing from the fact that sluggish cognitive tempo kids are not going to need as much tutorial support. They're going to need more behavioral and psychological support. Mm -hmm. You know, this call does come in about the daily activities and the frustrations that parents have. And I do refer out for that because it isn't really what we do. But oftentimes when we have the kid who has the overlap who's in the middle of the Venn diagram, it's totally appropriate to do educational therapy intervention. And then the daily living support is something that parents continuously bring up because that is what is disruptive to their existence, right? So we'll take the inside the Venn diagram and the kids with just slow processing, Mm -hmm. but not only the sluggish cognitive tempo. That would be my guess is that exactly what you just described would happen is that you get the child and you're like, there's not a whole lot I can do for them. Because a lot of times what you're having is a problem between the parents and the child. And sometimes they're the sort of kid who doesn't get off the couch to do anything. They're oftentimes truly unmotivated, Mm -hmm. depressed, and just be very 
sluggish. They're the Eeyores. Yeah, exactly. But if you give them a paper and pencil task that measures how quickly they can do something in two minutes, they're like, well, I can do this. Like, I know what I have to do, but I don't have the resources to get moving very quickly. It's really hard to explain this because they sound so much alike. They do. You can be a slow processor, but still get an awful lot done in life. People with sluggish cognitive tempo tend to not get much done, even though they have the kinds of techniques to do it, not the academic impairments or vulnerabilities. So what do we do? In talking about the kids with slow processing speed, it's very easy to kind of talk about that because we've talked about some of the things that are helpful, just sort of making life much more efficient for them, making them more aware of time and time perception, not just time management. Kids with sluggish cognitive tempo may benefit from medication because what we might be talking about is more of an ADHD inattentive subtype, right? much, much more so than we are in kids who only have processing speed issues. So a medication evaluation can sometimes be recommended. And in fact, that's kind of where the whole issue of sluggish cognitive tempo came from. Russell Barkley, a big researcher in ADHD, has sort of defined this as one of the key elements of ADHD inattentive subtype. And he said that maybe these kids are really different from the other ADHD kids that have the hyperimpulsive, hyperactive impulsive subtype. So those are the kids who might want to make a recommendation for psychotherapy or rule out of depression or even some family therapy that can help in terms of getting a child motivated and off the couch and moving. Wow. Okay. And did you say the percentage about what you think is in one category versus another and then has both? Yes. So it's about 30% have both. And then it's about half and half on the other two sides, actually much less than you would think. Yeah. So what we did in our study is we had kids with measurement on processing speeds. And then at the same time, we gave their parents and teachers the ABAS, which is an adaptive functioning scale that looks at social skills and self-care. And we looked at the correlations between the two, and they weren't as strong as what you might have thought. I mean, in some ways, sort of intuitively might say, well, aren't they just the same two group of kids? But they're not. And other researchers are finding the same thing as well. Hmm. That's interesting because I didn't realize how to categorize it like that exactly. Mm -hmm. And there may be differences too that we just didn't look at. I mean, we can only look at the data that we've collected, but we had some other variables that we considered as well. And these were the two that really came out as quite strong as sort of predictors and also ways of differentiating between the two. And we ruled out things like age and gender and medication status and even things like ADHD symptom burden. So it didn't have to do with the fact that one was more ADHD than the other. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now that we're armed with that information. I wish I had more to tell you about what to do with kids with sluggish cognitive tempo, because it's not actually my area of research. And a lot of the research that's been done is really more done about understanding and conceptualizing because that's where a field always starts. It always starts with, well, who are the kids we're talking about before we can figure out what to do for them? But one of the things that our research would suggest is that we need to measure both of these in kids. So when we're doing an evaluation, just measuring one or the other probably isn't good enough. 
because we want to know, does a child have both of these things? Is it two different constructs that are happening at the same time, or is it one or the other? Fascinating. And so that's one thing. We might want to change the way we evaluate kids. And then the other issue that we might want to consider is, for instance, in the time of COVID, let's say we've got a child, because it's not quite over yet, but maybe it will be soon, but we can kind of think even post-COVID, the kids with sluggish cognitive temple are the ones that are probably struggling a whole lot more at home with at-home learning, because they're in the same place. It's hard to get them moving. Mm -hmm. Their full body's moving, not necessarily responding to particular things. You know, they could be sort of slouched on the couch and not brushing their teeth on time. But, you know, mom could say like, what do you want for breakfast? You know, I want Cheerios quickly. Whereas a child with slow processing speed will have trouble making that decision. Those are two different ways of kind of thinking about these kids. So the way we evaluate kids is important, but then also, again, thinking about the kids in COVID, the ones who are our processing speed kids might be having a lot more trouble academically and might need more intervention in the academic world than the kids with just the sluggish cognitive tempo. But they might have some emotional issues that are really tough for them to deal with and compounding their natural tendency to be um, sluggish. Wow. Yeah. And I should mention too, the, the model that we use for sluggish cognitive tempo, really a lot of these scales are very short. So we used a scale that was only a few items, but it measured how confused a child looked, how much they daydreamed, how much they stared blankly into space and how much they lacked energy. So that kind of gives you a sense of, you know, not all kids with processing speed issues stare blankly or lack energy, or at least not at the same intensity as kids who have just a sluggish cognitive tempo, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, actually. And I feel like I just learned a lot about how there's a difference in the distinction. And I definitely can identify some kids that I work with that are one or both processing speed, but also the cognitive tempo, because I can see where those examples of how kids are struggling and how we haven't necessarily learned how to give it an understanding, a name and what it looks like and how it shows up and all of that to give to the parents or to the kids. This is a good start. It's a good opening to future understanding for sure, because I never even knew there was a difference. Mm hmm. We didn't either, really. And I think that the takeaway for this is to say that sluggish cognitive tempo does not equate to sluggish or slow speed of cognitive processing. That seems to be much more related to learning issues. Mm -hmm. And the other is more related to how our being is in the world. Yeah. And so we want to make sure, though, that when a teacher refers a child for that, that we're not using those two terms interchangeably. For sure. And like I said, even as little as six years ago, I was saying, I'm not exactly sure. And it was nice to get some confirmatory information that they aren't the same. It was almost like this idea that we were sort of fighting for, you know, what is it? Is it this? Is it that? What are we going to call it? Well, it's both. We need to have terms for both of these sorts of kids. And that's going to be helpful in terms of figuring out what the kinds of recommendations are. Like I said, it may be that in terms of, at least in mediation, that you're not compelled to develop those sorts of things because those kids are not coming 
into your offices. It's probably more of a family issue or a school issue, but not necessarily an academic issue. So it's complicated. It is complicated. It's very complicated. But I love learning from you. Thank you. There's a lot, an awful lot that we still have to learn about these two topics. And we want to look at, you know, are there certain academic subjects that are more related to this? And that could very well be because some of our recent research has shown that processing speed and math are very highly related problems in math. And that does not seem to be true for reading. And kids even have trouble with math who are not labeled as having a math disability, that it just seems to be a real area of vulnerability for kids with a processing speed issue, because I think that math just requires you to do a bunch of things in a given period of time. And you've got to get it all done. And it's easy then to sort of lose track of where you were if it's taking you just a little bit longer to get that long division problem completed, for example. Wow, that makes sense. It makes total sense. Well, thank you. Ellen, how can our audience connect with you? I've actually written a lot of information for an MGH website, mghclaycenter.org. There's a ton of information on there and they can email me through that website. And I wish I had my own website up. It's under construction, but when I get that, I will give it to you just in case you can share it with your listeners. It's almost redone, but it's not quite there yet. But I think it's going to be ellenbrotnanassociates.com. And that will be a website that's mostly links people to my private practice. And also, uh, it will have a lot of links to other things as well, like this podcast, for example, because we like to link to, you know, parents can find a lot of information on there. So yeah, and we will link your book in case our listeners want to read the first book, which is Bright Kids Who Can't Keep Up, which I highly recommend. We love it. Yeah, we do. Thank you. And we adore you. Yes, we do. Thank you so much for your generosity with time. And for the last time in Ellen Bratton month, will you do our signature sign off? Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week, Smarties. (laughs) Have a great week. (laughs) 